Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, August 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. More than two dozen people are dead after two separate mass shootings in the U.S. over the weekend. The U.S. identifies Chinese tankers carrying Iranian oil, and U.S. retailers have shed 50,000 jobs over the past two years. Now they're worried new tariffs imposed by President Donald Trump could make things worse. Plus, the FT's Michael Stott explains how the ongoing political standoff in Venezuela is causing its citizens to suffer. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Two separate mass shootings left dozens dead in the United States this past weekend. A shooter killed at least 20 people and injured another 26 in El Paso, Texas on Saturday. El Paso is a primarily Hispanic Texan city close to the U.S. border with Mexico. Less than 24 hours later, another man opened fire on an entertainment district of Dayton, Ohio. The Texas shooting is being treated as domestic terrorism and a potential hate crime. The shooter is alleged to have posted an anti-immigrant manifesto to social media and expressed sympathy for the Christchurch killer, who murdered 51 people in New Zealand in March. The El Paso suspect appears to have surrendered. The Ohio shooter was killed by police. Several Democratic presidential candidates accused U.S. President Donald Trump of encouraging white nationalism. Mr. Trump addressed the media on Sunday, saying that, quote, perhaps more needs to be done, unquote, about gun crime in the U.S. There have been about 20 mass shootings in the U.S. this year, where four more people were killed. President Trump is expected to make more comments this morning. It appears that tankers linked to China's biggest state-run oil company are helping to transport Iranian crew to China, which is in defiance of U.S. sanctions against Tehran. Bank of Kunlun is a subsidiary of China National Petroleum Corporation. A source told the FT that in recent months it has employed a fleet of tankers to move the oil from Iran to China. That movement has also been recorded by Tanker Trackers, which is a group that monitors oil shipments. The U.S. is looking to block exports of Iranian oil, which is the country's most important commodity. It's part of a maximum pressure campaign to force Tehran to come to the negotiating table over its nuclear and security policies. Bank of Kunlun's actions have drawn scrutiny from Washington. The U.S. has vowed to target any entity involved in breaching the U.S. economic sanctions on Iran. And new U.S. labor market data show just how much the retail industry has been affected by the rise of Amazon. Following a wave of bankruptcies and store closures, retailers have shed 49,000 jobs since July 2017. Department store, clothing chain, and electronic retail workers took the biggest cut. Those job losses would have been even bigger if not for hires by grocers and car dealerships. And retail employees are worried that these cuts could get even worse. Last week, Donald Trump said he planned to impose 10% tariffs on $300 billion worth of Chinese imports starting in September. That would come right as the industry starts to get ready for the Christmas shopping season. But analysts stopped short of warning that the tariffs would lead to widespread redundancies across the sector. After all, the current round of tariffs are still lower than the 25% tariffs the president had previously threatened. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. 
Since the beginning of the year, there's been a deadlock in Venezuela between two men who claim to be president. On one side, there's Nicolas Maduro, a revolutionary socialist who seceded Hugo Chavez. Then there's Juan Guaido, the opposition challenger. At the beginning of the year, he declared himself the rightful president of Venezuela and demanded that Mr. Maduro resign. All the while, Venezuela's struggling economy has imploded. People are leaving in droves, and those who stay are suffering. The FT's Latin America editor, Michael Stott, recently traveled to Venezuela and met with Juan Guaido. He has more on what's happening. So the economy was already doing very badly before Guaido declared himself president at the start of the year. That's because of mismanagement going back several years. Oil production has been collapsing. There's been hyperinflation. And U.S. sanctions imposed on the Maduro government have cut off their opportunity to finance themselves in most parts of the world. So the hyperinflation has destroyed the purchasing power of wages. So most Venezuelans are trying to get by on the equivalent of a few dollars a month. People don't have enough to eat. They are struggling to get water supplies because even supplies of running water are not guaranteed. They can be cut off for several hours a day or even in some cities for several days at a time. And then when it comes to things like fuel for their cars or electricity for their homes, you have power cuts that can last several hours a day. So that's a little bit what the daily struggle for survival looks like for many Venezuelans. Why has it been so difficult to unseat Maduro? Because he's got a very effective control of the security apparatus. That means the armed forces, military intelligence, the police. And he's also got the advantage of help from Cuba and from Russia. There are said to be around 2,000 Cuban intelligence advisors in Venezuela. And one U.S. official described them to me as the central nervous system of the Maduro government. They help him control not only dissent in the country, but any signs of potential trouble brewing within the Venezuelan military, any signs of disloyalty. So he's got eyes and ears around him. Even his own personal bodyguards are Cuban rather than Venezuelan. And then on the military side, he has help from Russia. So the Russians have given him some or sold him some, some very effective military equipment, which have also helped beef up the armed forces and keep him in power. How have other outside influences like the U.S. played a role in the conflict? So the United States has taken the view right from the start of the year that the Maduro government is an illegitimate government and should resign and make way for Guaido. It recognized Guaido immediately as the rightful ruler of Venezuela. And the U.S. was followed in that by the European Union and most Latin American countries. So is there any sign of resolution on the horizon? It's looking difficult for a speedy resolution. I think it's fair to say that the United States was hoping for this to be over much quicker. They believed after recognizing Guaido that the government of Maduro would fall quickly and that within a few weeks or even months, there would be fresh elections. That's not happened so far. It doesn't look as though it's going to happen. And Venezuelans have shown an extraordinary ability to survive, even in the most difficult of situations through improvisation, trying to grow their own food, relying on relatives sending them money from abroad, in some cases even scavenging rubbish dumps for food. But that daily struggle for survival is taking up a great deal of their energy. And so as a result, there's very little energy left for things like political protest. And when there are protests, 
there can be quite a lot of violence. The United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights visited Venezuela last month and came up with a report which said that nearly 7,000 people had died in clashes with the security forces over the past year and a half. And many of those, the United Nations said, were suspected to be extrajudicial executions. So protest is also a dangerous business, as well as a difficult one in the middle of this daily struggle for survival. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be keeping an eye on any fallout from Hong Kong's first general strike in more than 50 years. The planned strike is expected to highlight the anti-government discontent growing among working professionals. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Lila Raptopoulos. I'm the co-host of a new podcast from the Financial Times called Culture Call. From the 13th of August, we're going to be dropping into your podcast feeds every other Tuesday, bringing you encounters with those who are shifting culture around the world. We'll have lively discussions on how the social changes we're seeing are depicted in books, art, music, on screen, and online. And we'll give you a glimpse behind the scenes of the best of the FT's life and arts journalism. You can find the podcast in all the usual places, like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Acast, when Culture Call drops on Tuesday, August 13th. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.